Greetings, this is ex-Jedi Master, now Meat Cutter, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and you're listening to the Jedi Temple Archives, and I thought they smelled bad on the outside podcast. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. There is more knowledge here than anywhere else in the galaxy. Only members of the Jedi Council are allowed access. Guarding the holocrons is one of the most important duties a Jedi can be given. Do you think you're up to the task? Welcome to another episode of the Jedi Temple Archives podcast. I'm your host, Rob, and we're recording this episode on Thursday, July 7th, 2022. This week, we are back talking to Conversations podcast host Charles and Pat. Uh, this is part two of our conversation about Kenobi, uh, the full series, and really this episode kind of covers episodes four through six of the Kenobi series and our thoughts and takes on kind of how we felt about that. So without further ado, we'll jump right back into that conversation with Pat and Charles. Episode four. Um, (laughs) So, yes, uh, you know, and and this is where I wanted to get before we got wildly off topic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The the back to scene. Yes. Where Mm. where, where Obi-Wan's in his back to and Vader's in his and there's almost that duality and they're both healing, but they're also sort of um, linked yeah. with each other. Yeah. And psychic and, agony? Um, yes. Right? Exactly. Ooh. Exactly. And, um, and maybe maybe even a dyad. I don't know. Um, what was no. that movie that was? Okay. Right, right, right. Um, no. <laughs> uh, no, but it was, it, was, it was interesting to see those parallels where for Vader, it's almost reflecting on that revenge. And... <laughs> With Obi Wan, it's 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 healing from that encounter physically, but then as he jumps out of the tank, he's got people there to support him, right? And he's got yeah. people there to to kind of ground him and and keep him um, sort of you know mentally sound. Whereas Vader, every time Vader's got his helmet off or he's he's in the back there or anything, he's isolated. If I'm not wrong, this is the first time we've ever actually seen Obi-Wan take a physical wound as well. He took a major yeah. league concussion in uh, Revenge of the Sith when Dooku threw him against uh, the uh, you know this the beam and then dropped another one on top of him, but you know this is the right. first time we see him actually physically uh, you know bloodied, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And in a back neck too. I mean, he's True. he's in bad shape. Yeah. Very bad shape. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We got to get him back to health. Yes. And of course, and of course, meanwhile, Leia has been captured by Reva and the Inquisitors taken to, yes, Fortress Inquisitorius. Pat is uh, prepared with notes and (laughs) many comments. So I will turn this over to him. I am. Yes. Um, uh, I think it was um, 
the it was interesting to see the the fortress in um you know in in living color here um and and it's you know again going back to the inquisitors you've got them kind of going in and out of that checkpoint mm-hmm. like just you know marching through and through and then Tala comes through and they're like wait a minute let's see your identification and you don't need to see your identification no um so <laughs> so to see just how kind of revered they are as almost Vader's right hand and like yeah, let them do what they need to do um and and they're kind of you know in and out doing their thing um but then you know obviously you've got someone with that good enough clearance to to go along with obi-wan to help save his hide more importantly i think this is one of the reasons i like i like tala and and her character a very han solo-esque bluff right Yes. Right? Oh, that's true. Yeah. Very yeah. Han Solo esque. Uh-huh. She she had some Han Solo vibes going with her. She was yeah. able to think quickly on her feet. She had, you know, it just she played it perfectly. Uh, and I yeah. thought that was really well done. I also love the yeah. fact that that Obi Wan's incursion was, uh, you know, from underwater, which is very in keeping with uh, the whole yes. Jedi Fallen yes. Order video game. <laughs> you would think yeah, they would have shored up the defenses yeah. in the last five years, but and then and then when she's when she's got the clearance and she goes through, you see the sigh of relief on her right, face. Right. She's like, "Can't believe it fell for that." And he's like, right. "Fell for what? Nothing." See ya. She just uh-huh. needed a Wookiee with her. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's prisoner transport. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and 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 just seeing Reva try and you know, single-handedly play good cop, bad cop. Yeah. Yeah. She and yells, really she yells a lot. Sort of confrontation. She, you know, they, they have that, again, that positioning for power and who's got the favor of Vader. And it's uh, that infighting, again, reignites that who's stronger than who and who's got the uh, upper hand. All the while, you're in this uh, this building that has this, Jedi tomb as they're yeah. walking, you know, you see these, these capsules. I mean, you look God, at it, it's like, like who's that? Who's that? It's like, yeah, terrible. Right. And then it recalls me to the scene in the Mandalorian where you've got those, those tubes, you know, like, is that part of like this cloning thing? And there's like callback, which is fantastic for, you know, the, the, the streaming service for Disney plus where they're connecting these worlds and like in, into the larger um, series. But right. um it's it really does give a perspective that the Jedi are not just um, these outlaws. They are totally being hunted and being displayed as trophies. And that's really creepy. Well, two, yeah. two things. First, one of the, one of the, uh, the youngling that was encased in whatever that was uh, Amber, I guess they were going to harvest their DNA and make dinosaurs. Um, Jurassic Park again. was right. We're back to Jurassic <laughs> Park uh, was one of the younglings that was escaping with Reva. Mm-hmm. So go back and check mm-hmm. that out. The Dang. other, the other thing yep. is in yep. the inquisitor conference room below the window on the back wall is an array of Jedi lightsabers. Oh yes. <laughs> so again, they were all about their trophies. These are, you know, this is Vader's elite kill squad. I did love the fact that they also, uh, and I forgot to mention this when we were talking in that last episode, Charles. But they had, you know, purge troopers, the stormtroopers uh, in black mm-hmm. that were essentially trained specifically to fight Jedi. 
uh, mm-hmm. as part of the cadre of troops that the Inquisitors were commanding, which was cool to see another another one of these characters that was lifted from the Jedi Fallen Order video game, nice. um, and were always associated with the Inquisitors. That you know they they weren't quite a hundred percent up to up to snuff, but they would often fight with those Electro staffs, like you would see the uh, the Magna Guards from Grievous uh, use mm-hmm. when they were dealing with the Jedi back in the uh, prequel trilogy. So that was another cool uh, element that they added to the series i find it cute that you call like the lightsabers on the table um i mean obviously it's like a grievous buffet come on mm-hmm. like that's what it's got to be <laughs> i saw i saw a picture online that was like you know the immediately after grievous dies like the purge happens and it's like <laughs> yeah. everyone's lightsabers up for grabs right. and grievous died 10 minutes sooner yeah. <laughs> uh, they're but, there for the I mean, taking yeah, exactly. It makes you think about how twisted the dark side is yeah. because you've got this display of slain Jedi. That that is it's not just there to be there. It's there on display so that someone can walk through there and admire it. Yeah. Hey, it's their it's their sole purpose in being. And again, I mean, how twisted are it's the pretty, inquisitors? It's pretty forced up. Yeah, how yeah. how messed up are the inquisitors that you know you're talking former Jedi? They would have known and in some cases had relationships with some of these Jedi, uh, yeah. but you know, twisted and evil. I mean, yeah. those are all great points, but I think that everyone's missing the key point of this episode. Snow speeders. I mean, well. You know, <laughs> The uh, planet Florum was mentioned. Yes. And that's one degree of separation from Hondo. I mean, it's he's this close to having his own series. I mean, come on. Come on. Sister planet. Yeah, it's also the sister planet to Faunum. <laughs> Science jokes for nerds. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yep. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. I, I did love, again, the T-47 uh, reference and then later the actual uh, appearance of of what everyone who is familiar with the the trilogies would know is the snow speeders coming in to save obi-wan and uh mm-hmm. and crew from from the inquisitors and more importantly the fact that uh that when they go to escape you know obi-wan finally does succeed very cool you know lights out him cutting down the stormtroopers that were left to guard leia Mm -hmm. uh but when they go to escape it was very much a callback to like something out of minions where they're all stacked up with a trench coat on right (laughs) obi-wan's got leia under the trench coat i don't know how anyone doesn't look at that and go it's a guy guy with four legs right right That seems like an Imperial officer to me. He's wearing the the hat. Lay off the Inquisitor (laughs) buffet. (laughs) Oh. Oh. That was cool to see those. Definitely to see those ships was fantastic. And, you know, even calls back You squealed a little bit. You did squeal. I did. I did. I loved them. And it was, you know, when they were on Hoth, they were deploying them. And it was taking time to get the ships ready for the climate. for the cold, yep. That was absolutely... It was... I loved it. It was yeah. perfect. Like yeah. this is a climate they can work in immediately. And for me, it was fantastic. Where they got hyperdrives, I have no idea, but we're not going to get into technical specifications of a T-47. <laughs> oh, man. What kind of show is this? Um, oh, they did, ha- yeah, they, I mean, they did have the mothership. I, I take it all back. It's true. They did have the mothership, and, and they both yes. made it out to safety. They both, oh. Well, one, oh, wait. No, they didn't. <laughs> nope. The first transport nope. is away. <laughs> 
Oh. Yeah, um, I, and I thought that it was interesting how Reva had the foresight, obviously, to, like, force manipulate um, the Lola droid. Yeah. Um, before, you know, handing it back to Leia as almost a gift, like she was doing her a favor. Um, and then Vader, he had no foresight when it came to, like, it's like, you had Kenobi, why don't you kill him? Right. It's like, well, if you, you play you play your cards right, you can kill him and you can destroy this whole underground, you know, system. Right. You can you can clear out this whole path if you pull it out by the roots. Right. And Vader never thought of that. And hmm. and that's the thing is like, you know, theoretically you could have them both. I have a tracker on the kid and the kids with him. Right. So you follow the tracker, you'll find him and we'll get rid of this whole thorn in our paw we we, you know? we learn in this episode that a miniature restraining bolt doubles as a tracker right exactly <laughs> so Ooh. that's that's new information i, I did not know that again i, well, I don't have, that's that's something i don't have a problem with subverting would, your expectations no 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 I, that i don't have an issue with that makes perfect sense i mean again if if uh, you're gonna put a restraining bolt on a droid uh, it would, you know, it makes sense that it would have some sort of tracking functionality to it because you want to make sure you know where your droids are at all time, and and they're expensive commodities, and we're good with that. Who's gonna work on your moisture evaporator? But uh, it's dinner time. Do yeah. you know where your droids are? <laughs> wow, <laughs> infomercial. I will say so. So we we get the the escape at the end of this episode, and when we start the the second the penultimate episode. Uh, we Ooh. don't jump right back into that storyline. We get a super cool flashback to the yes. height the height of Republic Mullets. Uh, they are glorious. They are glorious. And I'm I do I do have to say one one thing that that I do love about this series is that I thought Hayden Christensen was awesome. I thought that he got a lot of the love that he should have gotten before. I will I will forever <laughs> argue that while the acting performances uh, by a lot of people in the prequel trilogy were not A-grade performances, they were dealing with technology that was brand new technology with this green screen, blue screen technology. No one knew how to act against things that weren't there. It's second nature to actors and actresses nowadays. They deal with it everywhere they go. Uh, and that had to be a factor in what happened with some of the prequels. You know, once again, Lucas, bleeding edge of technology. It paid off in the original trilogy. It didn't quite get to where it needed to be in the prequels. Uh, and it had nothing to do with with uh, Hayden Christensen. I, you know, again, part of an actor, part of an actor's performance is the responsibility of the director. And you know, faster and more intense doesn't always work. So, uh, you know, I was glad to see that he got a chance to to come back and reprise that role and get some face time as Anakin. Yeah. And we had witnessed that uh, firsthand at uh, Celebration Chicago where he showed up and got, I think, a couple standing ovations yeah. just yeah. for walking yeah. out, yep. which yep. which is is incredible because, you know, you had you had. You know, people that were that were really victimized by the fan base, yeah. and you know, and and you know, had terrible thoughts, terrible things, uh, all these types of things that really can can do some serious damage to 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 a person, yeah. and to see him embraced so 
lovingly by the fans at that point yeah. was fantastic. And, and you know, and uh, Ewan has revealed that he has known for a long time about the series, so I can only imagine <laughs> that Hayden did as well. You would so, think, I mean, you know, yeah. he would have known about the series ahead of this, but to have such a warm reception before all that, before he was even announced, uh, before the series was even announced, um, was just fantastic. And then to see him in the role of Anakin again and doing an exceptional job was, was just sort of icing on the cake. Yeah, Tom and I have talked about it before, and I'll, I'll reiterate it here. Uh, there's been a number of actors that have been that have gone through terrible things for their roles in Star Wars. Hayden certainly, uh, you know, Jake Lloyd has has had a rough run of it. Ahmad Best, Kelly Marie Tran, and my thing yep. is that my opinion as far as that stuff goes is you may not love a character, but don't hate the actor or actress that plays them. Exactly. They're there. They got hired to do a job because someone a, a casting director thought they were a good fit for the part. A writer wrote that role. A director directed them to play it a certain way. Uh, all they're doing is is basically their craft. And and I hate seeing people uh, reviled for something that they delivered on exactly what they were expected to deliver on to the yeah. point where they felt like this was ready to go to the big screen or in this case the the small screen, which is kind of the new big screen in this era. Uh, mm. And and I don't generally ever hold it against an actor or actress that plays a particular role. I think that there are so many decisions that get made above their head uh, and they may feel like they played it better a certain way and someone else made the decision, either the director or an editor or someone, to go a different route with it. And uh, and I just hate seeing people get torn apart for, again, what any one of us, if, if we were asked to play a Star Wars role, even if it turned out to be a crappy one, it would be the, the highlight of our life. Exactly. Yeah. You ask yes, me to play Babu Frick, hands down, I'm in. Uh, a little short. <laughs> Wow, sorry. <clears throat> hey, this is all payback for the Frankenstein jokes earlier, so. <laughs> I didn't make it. Yeah, but you laughed at him, buddy. That's true, I did. I, I did laugh at them. In all caps. Oh, man. <laughs> but that training scene, that's, you know, that's callback to, you know, the Attack of the Clones or Clone Wars. Uh, the way they paced that throughout the episode was absolutely brilliant. And they they spliced that in with each sort of segment of what they were going through so well and so expertly that it really did uh, help the story and it, but also it I think strengthened what each character was thinking at the moment because you saw Vader remember some of these scenes and Obi-Wan and his continuing uh, rediscovery of who he was and his reconnection to the force. Uh, that was, again, one of the more brilliant sides of this entire series of how they, they played that into it. And the actors as they're aged today yes. within those roles, it was a fantastic part of the series. And I think the flashbacks were, they, I, well, I know they were intentional uh, with the current storyline and, and what we are seeing in real time against those flashbacks is kind of, like, uh, you know, cautionary tale for Vader, like, stop, um, you know, stop thinking you always have the upper hand just be because you're, you know, stronger physically or because this is your home turf or or because of any, you know, perceived advantage you have, 
don't let that blind yep. you to what's happening because you know Obi-Wan warned Anakin about that like oh you you have no weapon and you know you don't have the high ground so I'm going to win right. it's like well mm-hmm. wait a minute wait a minute because right. that's your downfall is your confidence yep. and and your hubris and then we get out of that flashback to to present day and there's your downfall there's yep. there's there's your Oh, I've got you in a trap. All I have to do is spring it. Not necessarily. Like you, you need to stop looking ahead. You have to look at the here and now. Ironically, Obi Wan's overconfidence that he walked away from Anakin, leaving him for dead on Mustafar, turned out to be his downfall. So sometimes, you know, the the master hasn't mm-hmm. learned the lesson all the way. But uh, <laughs> yeah, be, that's be, another be present in the moment. Was it? Be present in the moment. Isn't that what Qui Gon said? Be yes. present in the moment. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Makes sense. Mm. Be mindful of the living forest, young Padawan. Mm. The negotiations were short, Master. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know, so the of course we're talking about the fact that you know the the flashbacks were dovetailing perfectly with the storyline. We get uh, the story of you know uh, of Riva activating the droid to basically lock down the facility so they can't escape. Uh, again, the stormtroopers, the the purge troopers, kind of starting the infiltration of the base, trying to to line it up for Vader to make his triumphant entrance, and uh, just kind of the interplay. Again, we'll go away from the Haja character a little bit. Again, he was kind of back and forth in this episode. Sometimes he was bombastic, other times he kind of dialed it back and then couldn't resist the urge to you know snip slip in one more snarky remark uh, i'm not responsible for her oh my god totally but uh, just one more yeah but again uh, for me one of the most emotional things in this entire episode had to do with with tala and uh, and ned b and the fact that you know she was so dedicated to writing the wrong that she had made as being part of the empire and being responsible for the deaths of so many of these Jedi, uh, and, you know, kind of marking those notches in her holster for every Jedi that she were force sensitive, that she helped to freedom. Uh, and, and, uh, then Ned B essentially giving his synthetic yeah. life to, to shelter her long enough for her to pull out the iconic thermal detonator, uh, and then just, again, the the emotion that Obi-Wan expressed, you know, he'd finally started to connect to, to individuals again and to have another one uh, kind of be beyond his ability to help. It was it was a pretty emotional scene there. Yeah, and one, sure. that had, one that had risked so much to help him, mm-hmm. you know, and, and she risked her life to help him and, and he was unable to to save her, but then she ended up saving him. Uh, very emotional. I mean, I I look at this as a you know sort of a small scale version of Rogue One. Yeah, she sacrificed herself uh, in that hallway after Ned B had been taken down to give them a chance to escape. And it's you know again what uh, two episodes you saw her first, and now here she is sacrificing herself, and it's a huge emotional moment, and not just for her but for, the, for Ned B as well, which again Star Wars does so well where you immediately imbue sort of humanity upon these droids yep. and you see them as a physical being and it's like wow they're they're going down and it's it lends a huge weight to those scenes it totally evoked I, it's funny that you mentioned rogue one because it totally evoked that same mm-hmm. sensation it's and it's impressive because 
as much as I love K2SO for, you know, the, the style that, you know, the body style and everything, it was just so such a cool looking droid and such a tall, imposing droid. Uh, certainly the sarcasm and the sense of humor appeal, like appealed to me deeply. Uh, and for Dead B to not, you know, not communicate in any way, but just yeah. as mm-hmm. just as K2SO sacrificed himself to essentially shelter Cassian mm-hmm. and Jin from from the troopers that were coming to capture them, you know, Ned B physically and literally sheltered mm-hmm. uh, Tala so that she had a chance to kind of uh, you know, do that one or to perform that one last act to to try to save those individuals who were trying to escape uh, was was just a really cool moment. Yeah, and then of course that that allowed them that that time that they so needed to to get you know onto the the transport ship and then and then you know of course make their escape. Well, the right transport ship, well, not the left one. Because the left one was bad news. The back one, not the right one. Right, exactly. I'm trying to remember when she took her holster off. I think she lost it. Yeah, he said she. He said okay. uh, Obi Wan said he found it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Thermal detonators <laughs> they, aren't what they, they used to be. They pried this off of her corpse. And, right. Uh, well, it's now a it's bit chod. <laughs> what? It was. She was this skeleton upon this sandy base, and I just took it off. Right. Don't right. worry about it. <laughs> Why is it smoking? Well. <laughs> Ask your brother. Oh, wow. Mm. <laughs> wow. Nice. Uh, I assume that was an Uncle Owen, Aunt Beru smoking corpses. Well, okay. That's you know. the one. All right. <laughs> it's a movie for children, kids. Yes. <laughs> no, I. So, again. The... So, yeah. So, so that's where you see the, uh, the, the other parts of the flashback that that really illustrate how. You know, he still has more to learn yeah. because he's still making the same mistakes. And, and just as importantly, you get Obi Wan and his interaction with with Reva, but kind of before the the main invasion force uh, hits, and he's trying to express to her, um, you know, basically, I can help you. Uh, and her comment of Why would I want your help? She very much holds him responsible for the fact that all of her friends and family were slaughtered by Anakin. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's it's bittersweet because certainly we all have the insight into why Obi-Wan couldn't be there. He was off basically, he'd been sent off by the Jedi Order to stop Grievous uh, and had no way of being there at the at that time. Uh, but he still holds himself responsible for Anakin's fall, and and that certainly yeah. plays into that final episode. But uh, also, you know, you get the payoff of of that scene, very kind of reminiscent of Vader coming into Echo Base on Hoth and coming into that hangar. He does the same thing here. They kind of play a little visual trick on on the audience with him tearing apart that first transport that uh, is is trying to escape and basically yanking it out of the sky as pat mentioned uh while the rest of them were in the the further uh transport that they somehow had managed to uh make sure we didn't notice unless you go back and watch it a second time you can catch a little bit of it and pause it yeah right (laughs) you know a little a little visual play but again awesome display of power by vader uh who Mm, apparently can only do that for a short period of time but could never pull obi-wan back through the flames right Fucking <laughs> 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 Come on, man. 
mumbles. <laughs> those mumbles remind me of someone. Uh, yeah. So um, uh, that was also a callback to a Rise of the Skywalker, where you've got uh, you know Ray, who's uh, seemingly uh, destroying the ship uh, that Chewie is on, but if, right. that split second again, where you look and you see the second transport behind. That's where Great he's actually point. on. Great point. I totally missed that. Yeah, it's a little. It's. Um, you need to go sure. back and watch the sequel trilogy again. No thanks. There you go. Oh. <laughs> no thanks, he says. <laughs> but what's great a part of this is that that training scene is interspersed through all of this as it's going on, and that's one of the great parts of that. And once the the transport ship actually makes it off planet, that's when Riva comes in and yeah. is uh, her moment to exact her revenge and it's what a scene this starts so real quick how great was it to see hayden like loving being anakin again yes oh see, yes glowing, you could tell he was having yes, a blast yes and 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 you oh. and internally cringing at that hair hairdo that he had to sport <laughs> <laughs> He's like, can't we, since we're in between, can't we just make it? N- no. Well, you okay. notice. I'm I mean, executive again, executive producer, can't we do something about this hair? <laughs> He's an executive producer. He he had the power to stop the fact that he had a mullet and a receding hairline, <laughs> and chose not to. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, then Riva. That scene, those those few scenes were oh. so telling and just so powerful. And just, you know, she walks out and he just was like, zoom. Yep. And and just absolutely toying with her. I wanted to see Vader dual wield, I'm not going to lie, when he had when he had a lightsaber in each hand. I mean, yes. had she had she had a weapon, it would have been an interesting, I mean, it would have been a short, but it would have been an interesting <laughs> It would scene. not have been interesting. Now, it again, would have been a one and done. But this goes, this goes back to the point that I was mentioning earlier. The Inquisitor's were j- former Jedi in most cases that had been that had been turned to the dark side, not full Sith, but you know something uh, you know essentially the equivalent of a dark Jedi, uh, if such a thing ever existed, uh, and you know kind of the the Emperor's bloodhounds to track down and and kill these Jedi that were escaped into the galaxy, and Vader regularly would own the inquisitors many of them were missing limbs and had synthetic parts mm. because vader would just carve them up as an object lesson and reva was never a full jedi she was always she was the gut you know they found her in the gutter and returned her to the gutter and she was never a match for anakin all she had was this was this hatred uh and he just disabused her of any notion she had that she would ever be able to get revenge on him uh, and then further, you know, he to to add insult to injury for him to sit there and say, "Did you not think I saw it, youngling?" Yes, was you know, yeah, I knew what you were doing this whole time. <laughs> Just like everyone else, I'm going to use you and toss you aside when I'm done. Yep, now, absolutely. Qui Gon has to be beyond annoyed that he's the only <laughs> one who can get gut stabbed and die. I mean, yeah. she was run through twice. I mean, twice right. in the same spot. Yeah, and she's still alive. Maul was wound. cut in half. <laughs> right, true. And this, in like, 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 two, ten minutes later. Right. And but he Qui Gon was Qui Gon was fate. He needed that to yes. explore the living force yeah, and become a force ghost. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he was killed with a plot saber. 
plot saver. <laughs> That's like the reverse of plot armor. Right. <laughs> Can only be pierced by the plot saber. Right. And I'm actually going to go out and order that on Saber Forge when we're done. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Don't tell Kim. He was taken. He was taken in that scene. Um, but Aww. yeah. So the fact that you know Vader never even pulled out his own lightsaber against yeah. this, this quote unquote battle against uh, Riva was uh, telling and toying, and again played into the ruthlessness. And you brought up before Rob about you know Disney playing into this uh, somewhat uh, rough side of Star Wars. Vader was brutal in yeah. this series yeah. and this is an extension of that he just completely played her he he knew her story from day one yep. uh, used her and left her for dead again and you know for fans of rogue one and the hallway scene uh it's a you know this for me it was a it's that great Vader. extension yeah yeah it's that yeah Vader. it made it yeah it made it so much better that they continued that spirit of the uh, uh, prime Vader that we saw in Rogue One continue in this series. Hold that image in your mind because it's going to be one of the last times you get to enjoy it. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh boy. Let's not forget then then the return of the Grand Inquisitor who was also stabbed in the gut. I was yes. only mostly dead. Right. <laughs> if he was all dead, there's only one thing you can do. Right. Pockets for loose credit. Go to Miracle Max. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the other uh, the other fun ending there was, you know, we leave at the end of this episode. We've got Riva uh, gut stabbed, theoretically on Death's doorstep in an empty hangar with no ships available. We've got Vader and his Star Destroyer chasing the fleeing rebels in the system. Uh, Apparently, apparently we've got Bail Organa, who, against all better judgment, has left a very convenient message about exactly why they didn't want to talk with all the details about who to find who, where. <laughs> Again, it was it was uh, one of those moments where I'm yeah, like, but it was left with Kumail Nanjiani. Right. Yes. On an so unsecure on an unsecure Jedi <laughs> on a John secure Jedi com link. <laughs> that's just broken enough that's just broken enough to hide some of the details so that only reva would uh would know but no we 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 move on to the next uh, the, the the final episode and it's interesting before we get into this i i do want to point out that uh deborah chow had done an interview uh talking about the show and was very i would say evasive uh diplomatic i would say uh, about a lot of the details about how it was originally going to be a film and then they decided to make it a series and then they did some writing and then they did some rewrites. And then at the end, they bring in Andrew Stanton from Pixar, purveyor of such things as Finding Nemo and Wally, to write the finale to the Kenobi story. And the first thing I see is Reva has made it to Tatooine before the chase for the fleeing rebels has even come close to ending. <laughs> And I was like, it's four speed. what four just speed. happened? Did uh, Harry Potter make a visit? To... <laughs> so, okay, I've watched this three Doctor times. Strange came and opened the portal. That is true. <laughs> Sling ring. Have you seen the Multiverse of Madness yet, Pat? <sighs> I saw Jurassic World Dominion. Okay, cool. All right. We'll oh, go madness. Okay, so 
I've Not seen yet. it three times, and that was my biggest. That was my biggest thing. If you saw it three Vader, times, don't you have a job? Well, no, the episode. Oh, I okay, yeah, it's the multiverse of madness. No, no, I've seen it oh. once. That's enough. Um, so, <laughs> Star Destroyer is chasing the rebels. Yeah, and now Reva got to the planet first, then Vader came. So Correct. it's feasible yeah. that she had a a, a ship there. Yeah, so my it's, thought it's more was feasible that... than her floating through space all the way to Tatooine. Yeah. Correct. Yes. So you need Leia for Vader... that. Or Kanan. Or Kanan. <laughs> or Kanan, who did it first the year before and made a cannon. But that's beside the point. Um, so Vader was chasing the rebels in their ship. And Reva hightailed it for Tatooine. She knew where she was going. So when I wa- – now it took me twice to watch that because that leap, when I first watched it, like – I didn't question it, but it's like, wait a second, how did she get there so quickly? Then I second watching, I pieced it together. It's like, oh, they were, you know, Vader was chasing Kenobi and the rebels in that transport ship. She took the other ship that feasibly is still there and hightailed it for Tatooine. It's like for me, it made all sense. And right. So if I'm gonna say one thing about this entire series, is that the second viewing gave more depth, more um storyline connections and sort of a clear idea of where they were going with it. Now, is that a good thing? Not necessarily, well, but it certainly helps. We're going we're gonna to test that theory in just a minute. Oh, boy. So so <laughs> Vader chasing the Rebels was was like a Scooby-Doo type chase. No, it was it was a Last doors. Jedi type chase. It's it's the six, oh, it's, yes. it's, okay. yeah, it's a three hour tour after the, <laughs> after the well, crew of Gilligan's now, Island. I would say too that those 3-hour tours have been going on since like the original trilogy. I mean, when they sent out four tie fighters against the Falcon uh, before oh, no, they, no, no. You know, yeah. they get to the asteroid belt. I mean, it's Yeah. I, th- that's what I see. When I see a star destroyer chasing a rebel ship. Fair play. There's a there's like Star Destroyers are somewhat weak. It's like it's a store. Like, we only have eight ships. We're only going to send out half of them because we don't want to get rid of the other four. It's, <laughs> they're on reserve. I, yeah, so I give I give the Star Destroyer chases and spaceship battles, aside from the Death Star or the Death Star 2, a different thing. But with the Star Destroyers, it's, that's almost like canon that they have – very little firepower and basically guys who are no i used to i used to believe that but i have since ridden rise of the resistance and disney ships are constantly down for maintenance so four four tie fighters is all they got as a matter of fact yeah as a matter of fact the entire empire was lined up to chase them and they actually were told the ride is down right we'll, we'll let you know when your boarding group is they ready couldn't get a boarding group That's right it. sorry How's that? How's that for plot armor, buddy? <laughs> Where's my plot saver? It hasn't arrived yet. <laughs> right. Your plot saver is fast pass. <laughs> <laughs> I need a lightning lane to my Sorry, plot Jeannie. saver. <laughs> now, we did, we did have a, a great point. So, so we've got Reva chasing down uh, the thinly disguised, poorly timed message from Bail Organa. I know we agreed never to talk about this, but I had to talk to somebody about it. So I figured I'd yeah, talk to Yeah, he should have been like, right. hey, that mm, package is going to need to you know, be yes. kept under wraps. I hope, I hope Dory's I mean. the one that finds this message because she won't remember it in five seconds. Uh, <laughs> right? Um so meanwhile, we've got we've got Vader chasing down Obi Wan. Obi Wan makes the uh, the very brave and inspired call to split off on the shuttle to uh, to 
free Leia and the rest of the fugitives uh, so that they can go on and, and live their lives while Obi-Wan takes the lightsaber to the chest um, or, or gut, as the case may be. And, you know, well. again, Vader, uh, rabid dog, obviously has a, mm-hmm. a big time grudge against Obi-Wan. I can completely see him chasing down Obi-Wan as opposed to uh, doing the sensible thing and taking out the ship with hyperspace capability. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't say that because apparently the shuttle has hyperspace capability now. But um, well, that shuttle. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's very much like the uh, the Phantom to the Ghost, right? Yeah. So no, again, I, I yeah. can believe that. Uh chases yeah. down Obi-Wan, but here's here's where things start to get a little bit shady. So we get this 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 incredible confrontation between Obi-Wan and Vader, and Vader again uh still kind of has the upper hand here. Certainly we see callbacks to the fact that he's throwing objects at Luke uh as they battle in Empire Strikes Back. You know, he he's he is becoming more the Darth Vader we know from the original trilogy. Uh, Obi-Wan is finding his way back to the Force. Again, this this is one of those things, though. Uh, we're a couple episodes away from Obi-Wan not being able to move a, a cigarette case across the table. <laughs> <laughs> Theoretically, like, 24 hours later. Um, uh, death Sticks, thank you very much. Death Sticks, sorry. My apologies. Yes, yes. The problem that I have with the, with the Vader... Obi-Wan showdown is that this is what this whole series honest honestly has really been about. It's been about putting these two back together in a way that they can have a battle that is in any way reminiscent of what we saw at the end of uh Revenge of the Sith. But <laughs> the thing that doesn't make sense is <laughs> Vader quote unquote kills Obi-Wan. Yeah. That would have been the smart place for Obi-Wan to call it quits. Vader gets away. Uh-huh. Obi-Wan goes back to Tatooine. Vader thinks he's dead. Luke's safe. There's no reason to go looking for Obi-Wan. Right. But by confronting he him, he's killed it. by confronting him and then choosing not to kill him, which he can't do because in the original trilogy, they're both still alive. Right. It's just, I mean, he was willing to walk away from, from Anakin and leave him to die on Mustafar. But for Anakin to tell him, you didn't do this to me. I made this choice. And for Obi-Wan at that point to know that he's lost to him and then to choose not to kill him and instead to walk away just seems very out of, out of character for any Jedi character. I mean, if he was willing to kill him at the end of Revenge of the Sith, there's no reason he shouldn't be willing to do it now. Now that he knows that he's quote-unquote beyond he's redemption. all the destruction that he's that he has done and that he's capable of doing it just becomes very discordant for me it, it doesn't make any sense i mean they they put the two of them together there was an opportunity for them to break it off in a way that would have vader would have thought that obi-wan was dead obi-wan could go back into hiding there would have been no reason for either of them to suspect otherwise uh but because they had to push the confrontation they kind of create an issue with regard yeah. to now it turns into a situation where the emperor is kind of like you know, Vader's like, I'll track him down no matter what it takes. And the Emperor's like, eh, I wonder if your thoughts are really clear on this because I've seen the script <laughs> for the original trilogy. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, you know, again, there's there's any number of things that they could have done at the end of that battle, even Obi-Wan coming back. Right. And and really going to town on that uh, that switch plate. And, um, right. 
and his helmet and everything else. Um, so, you know, which which was the part I think people really wanted to see. No, and you know, they they didn't sure. they didn't want to see Obi Wan get buried. No, for sure, I I totally so, agree. So in 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 that instance where you've got this whole situation where it's this face off between the two of them, one of them should be dying. Exactly. Because that's the only way you end that. So you know, had had the emperor sent you know a hundred stormtroopers to the site and they started shooting at obi-wan and then allows you know and then he has to escape at that sense you know it may make sense to to kind of have him walk away from that he's he's running away from that to go back to luke but with it just being helpless vader lying there it doesn't make sense to leave him alive but you have to right no, I mean they they create their own paradox, and and it goes back yeah. to the the point. Everyone knew, or everyone suspected that it was going to be Obi Wan and Vader because that's that's the big payoff, right? That's the big confrontation. It was a yeah. massive, it was a massive confrontation when they did it in Revenge of the Sith. It was yeah. a huge part of why so many people love that that movie, uh, you know, as as kind of the highlight of the prequel trilogy. And it would make sense for them to want to to kind of go back to that well again and and draw on some of that love and uh it it just creates issues with any kind of believable storyline instead of you know by by leaving Vader alive and going back to Tatooine, he is creating a situation where Luke is more at risk than he's ever been I mean you know he yeah. he's more compromised than he's ever been, and we even get to see some of that with you know Reva being on Tatooine, kind of tracking down Luke. I did love the fact that, uh, you know, Baru was was the one that was like, no, we're staying here. We're going to we're gonna defend so our home. Yeah. Uh, She's like, here's these guns. He's like, what? Against, against <laughs> all odds from Reva, right? But it just, it's one of those, it's one of those paradoxes that you just have to be careful you don't create because not only, not only was there a con, uh, conflict with the whole situation with Obi-Wan and Vader and... Obi-Wan just walking away from a situation that he knew was beyond hope. Uh, I'll go back to a situation where it was uh, Return of the Jedi, where when Luke turns himself into Vader and is talking about redeeming him, and Vader makes the comment, going back to the one line having huge significance, uh, Vader says, Obi-Wan once believed as you do. At what point, at what point wow. in this storyline did Obi-Wan ever believe that he could be redeemed? He thought he was dead on Mustafar. He finds out that he's not dead. And then there's this confrontation. You could argue in this in this one argument that Obi-Wan was telling him, what can I do? And Vader, you know, is basically saying, no, I made this decision. Right. But there was really no window where Obi-Wan ever really thought he could be redeemed. He wanted to understand what had happened more than yeah. anything. And, but- well, he, he pled with him, you know, when you could see Anakin's face through the through the helmet and sure. all and you know at that point whatever he believed as you said he he now knows right that this this individual is not anakin and and he's he's lost yeah and leaving him what alive i would say is, to that yeah. no sorry i was just gonna say and leaving him alive that. is just you know just detrimental to the galaxy at that point mm-hmm. okay so i've thought about that because it makes no sense because why would he do that? However, it's only four episodes before 
that he found out that Anakin was Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. So whether or not Darth Vader was even on Obi-Wan's radar as this sort of, you know, leader of mass destruction across the galaxy, now he knows Anakin is Vader. He slices his mask in half, just like Ahsoka did, which is like two massively important points for both characters. You get that it was the other half of his mask too, right? Yeah, and that mask they, maker is like, Jesus Christ. They each took out one half of his mask, but neither could uh, get him demasked fully except for Luke. Yes. Only Luke well, he took off the entire mask. Only Luke could yeah, remove the entire, the entire mask. mask. So I think, you know, so for the for the callback to Ahsoka, uh, it's not, I think, a retread of a storyline. I think it's massively important steps for both characters to see this Anakin as Vader. Um, so uh, Obi-Wan seeing Anakin as Vader has now put him at a reality point. Holy crap, this is Vader. Mm-hmm. Whether or not he even realized or knows what's happened in the past six, seven years with the, the Empire and what Vader has been driving, he, he sees Vader as uh, Anakin and his failed character. I think at this point, Vader, we know why he didn't kill Obi-Wan. He's obsessed and he's got this like this OCD complexion with him. And that, uh, like you said, Rob, the uh, Emperor calls him out as soon as he gets back to Mustafar. It's like, hey, I don't think you got the right path here, buddy. I think you're focused on the wrong thing. And then, like, you know, you can almost see Vader, like, <clears throat> you know, like, <laughs> take a little uh, a breath and realize, oh, you're right. You're the master. Um, so I think we get Vader's side of that. I think Obi-Wan's side of that is that Again, a bit of headcanon, but I see this as a, through the force, he sees that this isn't the last time that he has to face Vader. This is the starting point of a longer story that now that he sees that Anakin is Vader, he has another step to produce and ultimately leads to some of the things we see in the finale. No. Yeah, but it's just <laughs> seeing seeing a future fight between you and, and your... Uh... You know your old student again. Um, you know it becomes a a sort of destiny is what you make it type of thing where the only reason he sees a future fight with him is because this one hasn't been finished. You know, so so to see to have some sort of uh, force insult insight to that is like yeah okay so maybe you know in in eight years or nine years we will you know, meet back up and try this mm-hmm. thing again. But what's going to happen in those nine years? Always what emotion more devastation, is the force, right? What, what more devastation in the galaxy are you going to, quote unquote, allow to happen because you see us meeting again for a final duel nine years? Oh, I totally agree. And how does that line up to the, to, you know, A New Hope? That's tough. That's tough uh, question to answer. Riddle, so, riddle me this. I, I will go back to something we talked about earlier, and put it in this context: the scene that we see in the very first episode, where the worker is being kind of screwed out of half his wages by the fishmonger, and the look on Obi Wan's face that he would do something if there was any way he could, without drawing attention to Tatooine. Mm-hmm. put that on a galactic scale and put them mm-hmm. in a situation where there's no one there to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're saying, would, yeah. you're saying that same guy 
who had he had he been in that situation on this moon in unnamed system whatever and could have intervened and and made sure things were right he chose to do nothing and again they have no choice this is this is the problem when you're dealing with these bookended you know stories yes totally they 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 had a predetermined outcome to this so they had to figure out where they had to stop in order to make sure it worked out and they created a situation where they want they wanted too bad to have that final confrontation where Obi-Wan re-engaged with Vader, mm-hmm. owned him, crouching tiger, hidden dragon style. <laughs> you know? Again, I, I mean, yeah, and, and I it, agree. And it creates I, I mean, that wound. Nothing, when I watched it the third time, yeah. if they had spliced the scene of Luke being in peril, being chased by Reva, mm-hmm before he made that choice to leave yeah there's your perfect dancer you know oh crap i gotta go protect luke here's vader but he's the future i gotta go like sort of that that sort of emotional mix i'm out of here it's a great so, point star wars so, was made in the edit right the the original film was right? a disaster yeah. from a filming so, standpoint they made it in the edit so the fact that they didn't do that they they played that whole scene out and let him make that choice, I started to think down the road, okay, well, what, what drives that choice? And right. that's a choice that I came to. That was the ultimate end that I came to, that I, Obi-Wan that. had a... What, does that make it good? No. I mean, that, for me, works, because ultimately I love the way it ended, Yeah. but that ultimately makes it, for some people, harder to swallow. Well, and I totally get it, because yeah. that was an easy out. You see, you have a vision of Luke running to the to the to the uh the rocks and reva chasing him it's like oh i gotta get out i mean that would have been perfect but yeah it wasn't the choice to make again that's obi-wan's prime mission that that is the one thing that exactly. he was expected to do i mean yeah. he, he left luke and he knew i mean he told he told bail that you know i can't help you find someone else because he knew that his post was there and and again yeah, this is right. this is the conflict that they create in the series you you've got Obi-Wan, who knows that the one thing that he in the universe has to do is to protect Luke and being torn away from that. Uh, and then, you know, again, it's it's still go back to that conversation we had about Reva arriving on Tatooine so quickly. And we end up with the same situation when Obi-Wan has that 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 sensation through the force of the vision to the force that Luke is in danger. You know, Reva's chasing down Luke and he has to get to his shuttle, get in orbit, jump to hyperspace. And again, hyperspace is not, uh, I feel like some of the, the newer writers slash directors think that it's just this instantaneous thing. There's, there's travel time there. I mean, it's, it's like driving to work, right? 20 minutes is a great commute. Uh, Obi-Wan makes it there in like three. It's like you know? Star Trek transportation or right. teleportation. Yeah. Right, right. We got wormholes yeah. and all that good stuff. So again, it's just it's it's attention to detail makes the is is what makes or breaks a story. And as you said, Charles, I thought it was I thought it was brilliant when you said it earlier. You know, the the more headcanon you have to insert, the bigger the stretch is, you know, to to kind yeah. of rectify things. Again, I, I don't know if we live in an era where people want to work that hard for their entertainment. Uh, you know, some, some people do, some people don't. Um, 
And I think a lot of fans, again, we'll go back to it again. There's a lot of fans that are not that invested in Star Wars and, and it's entertaining. To see a big battle like that, that's always a crowd catcher. Uh, and it was certainly mm-hmm. epic. I mean, Vader and, oh, and Obi-Wan yes. was on par with what we saw in in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. It, it, including Massive. things Great. that we'd never yeah. seen before. It was a not-so-thrilling callback to Ray lifting rocks, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's what they had available but i mean it's 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 conceivable that obi-wan be able to do that sure no i mean again yeah. he yeah, was yeah. he was one of the preeminent jedi of of his era again it just goes back to you know it's it's like wi-fi cutting in and cutting out yeah and when you have a bad connect <laughs> pat pat are you right. there are you there got it well, we lost Pat, so. Uh, but yeah, no, there I mean, again, uh, again, it goes back to the point. You know, the reason I wanted to have you guys on is I we've talked about some of this stuff, and I understand that we all want we all wanted to have an Obi Wan story for years. We've been waiting for this for years, uh, really since the end of the the prequel trilogy, and uh, you know, Ewan McGregor had, had really been kind of uh, working towards this for a long time. Uh, it, you know, it's too bad that, that it took so long to come to fruition, but in some, in some ways it had to, I mean, we had to get, <laughs> there's memes out there about the fact that he goes from the Obi-Wan we see even in this series to Sir Alec Guinness, uh, in I the next it. nine years, which is, <laughs> that's some hard living. Uh, apparently he just stood out in the desert and let the, let the sands wash over him. But uh you know in a lot of ways it couldn't have been made earlier but uh to get a chance to kind of reconnect with the character and i absolutely you know the the thing about this show uh jimmy smith and joel edgerton and ewan mcgregor and all these characters that we knew and loved from from star wars uh you know prequel they they brought it. I mean, it was absolutely. They were a hundred percent in. Loved every bit of it. Loved to see Alderaan. Uh, I love mm-hmm. the fact even that oh, Alderaan yeah. was very similar to what we saw in you know Knights of the Old Republic or not Knights of the Old Republic or but the, you know the Old Republic. If you see any of the the trailers for the the role playing game that's out there, uh, very similar to what we see in this episode. Um, so, you know, in a lot of ways they were very true to form in terms of details. Uh, it's just that, you know, there were, there were some instances I felt that, that were lazy storytelling and, uh, places where we kind of had to insert our own head cannon. And, uh, you know, for us, you know, if that's what it takes to make it work, then so be it. Uh, I think a lot of people probably just skimmed right over it and just enjoyed it for what it was. But, uh, there's definitely a, a, a wide array of opinions about it. Um, and again, my, my takeaway here is if you, lo- if you love this show and you enjoyed it, then more power to you is with all Star Wars, it's not for me to tell people, you know, what to love, what not to, um, but certainly great to see you and back and, um, uh, mm-hmm. again, I just, I, I love to see some of these characters and, and how they kind of recreate them in these shows. Yes. Well, I've always been one for more you and McGregor. Of course. Um, but, uh, I think that. Just seeing those different aspects of the galaxy and seeing those different viewpoints, like like you you don't see people in the age of the empire like totally down with the empire because right. everything you see is either um, you know stormtroopers and and the empire itself or the rebels. Yep. So you get those those 
vantage points from like Freck, who's just trying to make his way, and you know these people are trying to help us out. And then you get things like the um, the Jedi viewpoint of Order sixty six and things like that that really give you different vantage points of the story you already know, and then you see different environments and planets and things that just you know compounds on the world building and um, and just really can can enrich the world that we already know. I think you know honestly. You say that, and and I think therein lies my issue. I think there were a lot of great scenes in this six episode arc. I think that what was missing were some of the the cartilage that kind of connects the story as a whole for me. Um, but there were absolutely. I mean, you go back to the the point that Charles was making about Tamara Morrison, uh, you know, in in that cameo in the show. I mean, incredibly, incredibly great mm-hmm. use of of a ancillary character to really make a visceral, you know, to, to evoke a visceral reaction from the crowd, especially mm-hmm. the, the people who are really knowledgeable about it. So, you know, it's not like everything they did was wrong. It's not like everything they did was great. It was, it was, uh, it was like a series of, uh, you know, of vignettes almost. Um, and some I like more than others. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some missteps, but then yep. some that were firing on all cylinders. Some that were really, really good. And that's like my viewpoint of the entire series is that the the pros far outweigh the cons. You know, the some of the story beats there. Yeah, were there issues? Absolutely. I mean, Riva has a character. Um, uh, I'll get back to her in a second. But the the way they tied up Obi Wan and Leia's character as we need to protect, we need to be safe. Uh, completely dovetails perfectly into A New Hope with her diplomacy, but also her sort of very uh, high level you serve my father in the clone wars uh, it was absolutely pitch perfect that was one of my biggest things i don't know for some reason it's like well you've introduced leia how the heck are you going to solve this thing when she's you know 10 years removed from where she is now and like make that message work they made right. it work um so while there are sort of some story plots and and uh story things that didn't line up i think the main ones that literally watch that flow into the a new hope work perfectly um the t16 that the toy uh while yeah. I, I don't call that fan service at all i, I look at owen and seeing he would be that would be the last thing that owen would get you know give luke right. anyone would give or he would allow give luke it mm-hmm. makes perfect sense that owen uh that obi-wan would give it to luke um and the hello there i mean it's just the last episode, the last half of the episode, for me, landed the entire series because they managed to tie up those storylines perfectly, much better than Rise of Skywalker, in my opinion, and give the uh, the send-off that the series required and watch A New Hope perfectly. And that's not even talking about Qui-Gon. So um, that's why I love the series. It, it erases all the other stuff. And like I said, I'll... I'll tell you about Reba in a second but that's why i love it but let's talk about qui-gon first okay <laughs> <laughs> that made zero sense okay. to, I, I gotta say that made zero sense to me the whole you weren't ready i was here the whole time but you weren't ready to see me yoda didn't even believe in in anything related to qui-gon and was in total conflict he was not at peace at all at the time that that qui-gon made contact with him and yet yoda was able to commune with him and eventually see him. Uh, same type of thing with regard to to Luke and seeing Ben 
uh, you know, in total conflict. First, I think the first time he hears him, certainly at a time when he's in utter conflict right after Ben's death, uh, sees him as he's about to die in a snowstorm on Hoth. So this idea that, that in some way Obi-Wan has to be at peace or be in a certain state of mind in order to be see, to see Qui-Gon was kind of not in alignment with either of those things. I honestly thought that if, if he was ever going to finally start to hear Qui-Gon, it would have been when, when Vader buried him uh, in the rubble. That, that was the first thing I said, cue Qui-Gon. Uh, and it didn't happen. I'm like, okay, that's kind of strange. Uh, and then it was just kind of strange to me that Qui-Gon was like, it took you long enough. <laughs> but it was kind of a, yeah. I mean, look, Qui-Gon is an irreverent kind of dude anyway, but that seemed a little beyond, beyond the pale, especially considering that all of his interactions with like Yoda was, uh, you know, very much, you know, kind of serious. Uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, Jedi jedi-esque uh weight to his communications with yoda and then all of a sudden with obi-wan he's just kind of like yeah screw you buddy yeah but yoda was like his boss so he's yeah. not gonna be disrespectful that's that's fair point <laughs> but i think that um you know obviously the whole idea with part of the idea with Sending Obi-Wan to Tatooine was to learn how to commune with the cosmic force and worst student ever. And right, yeah, I mean, it, it took him 10 freaking years, right? Um, <laughs> but it's really bad. Um, so he's a um, sixth year senior at this point, yeah, that's true, that's true. Yeah, it took, him, it took him eight years to uh get through four years of school, right. so hey, um, hey, hyphen RP. <laughs> <laughs> oh so um it's it's one of those things that you 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 come to expect for this series is that he's going to commune with Qui-Gon it's something that he expected and 10 years in he's like dude Qui-Gon what the hell man yeah. like I thought we were supposed to chat it up and uh and he doesn't so it's like he expected it we expected it uh at some point you have to um, address that and I think the end of this series is a good place to do it because the series was so full of other stuff to bring that in and be like oh now he's talking to Qui-Gon and all this it's like that muddles everything up so you do it at the end where now he's got you know another eight years to catch up uh, find out what Qui-Gon's been up to and stuff um, but but really just kind of get in tune with that on his behalf. And I think, you know, practice makes perfect. So that the more you do it, the better you get at it. So I think the constraints on those connections between the living and cosmic force um, are kind of lessened with time and, and with, you know, ease of use, you know? So it's like, oh, if, if Obi-Wan knows how to do this in theory, uh, before he dies, then when he dies, he can probably do it a lot quicker than Qui-Gon was able to. Cut out the Leia chase scene, and you've got 10 one-minute chunks that you can build up that connection with Qui-Gon slowly. Slowly, yes. That's my counter-argument, because yes. it was a 10-minute chase <laughs> yes. scene. Yes, but uh, that's, say, that's that's okay. the point that I make, is yeah. that you, you, know, you, you have this sort of novel force power that that not even yoda is convinced is is an actual power that you can 
you can hone. Totally didn't believe and, it was Qui-Gon, right, right. Right, so then so then if, if he kind of imparts that wisdom to Obi-Wan in the desert and, and Obi-Wan in theory knows it, then that learning curve is, is hastened. Yes. In, you know, in his death, he's, he's already like, okay, so, you know, A, B, A, B, left, right, you know, select, start, boom, here we are. <laughs> well played. So I think we had, what, four mentions of Obi-Wan calling out to Qui-Gon, or is it three or four? Like, yeah, it's probably three or four. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. And he never showed up. So you knew that it was coming, and if it wasn't going to come, it was going to be a huge problem. Yes. And obviously he had to go through, from my perspective, again, is that he had to remove himself from the guilt of allowing or killing, quote-unquote, Anakin to become Vader. He had to remove himself from that until he could see Qui-Gon. And until that moment happened, that's the reason for it. And you're finally here, or whatever, like the, uh, you know, um, the line that he said. And I, I echo what Pat said, is that it's not about a, a connection to Yoda of how the living force works. I think it's about the living force as how his relationship with Obi-Wan worked. And it was very quippy. It was very one-minery in their interactions. And that, for me, that was actually the high point, most emotional part of the entire series. Now, I have a strong connection to Qui-Gon, so that's probably tainting it. I'll give you that. Um, but when he showed up and turned around and said that, um, that was it. I lost it. That was that was one of the biggest parts that I lost it in the series because that spoke to their history. It spoke to the way they interact with each other. But now that uh, Obi-Wan has come to this point, he is ready to see, to see Qui-Gon. And it was pitch perfect and led perfectly into the book of uh, a certain point of view where he does spend that part of that time speaking to him. Oh God. I want so badly to be convinced. I, I think Charles made a, <laughs> an eloquent point about Obi-Wan ridding himself of the guilt of killing Anakin or what he thought he had done in killing Anakin. Uh, and that, that essentially his, his emotional baggage, what was, is what was keeping him from seeing Qui-Gon and then I go back to season six of the Clone Wars and how Yoda was seeing him and communing with him even before he faced his dark side self that was essentially him unloading himself of all of his hubris and darker tendencies, I guess. Again, mm -hmm. it, this is the problem. I, again, uh, I think Charles makes a compelling point. I think for most Star Wars fans, that would absolutely be enough. Um, it's just when you find these these highly conf conflicting things within again i i consider the films uh the three or two <laughs> plus trilogies and <laughs> clone wars and clone wars i mean uh, as much as i want to totally can consider rebels canon i think it, it totally could be um and, and probably is, but I mean, uh, you know, the, those two animated series and, and most of the films I think are, are what we would consider canon. And just within that, when, when there's conflicts, it's just like, come on, this is not that much material to, to keep in mind when you're doing stuff. And there's an entire story group dedicated to it. But again, at some point, you know, at some point it's nitpicking and, and I don't have an issue with the fact that 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I can, it's probably not a one-to-one. It's not the same thing in every situation. Thank God they brought Liam Neeson in when they did. Cause you know, if they'd have waited till, if there is a Kenobi season two, he was yeah. looking, he was looking pretty rough. He kind of looked like, uh, you know, the, the dissolving man from Indiana Jones and the last crusade, but don't drink from the wrong grail there, Liam. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, he's chosen poorly. He has chosen poorly. <laughs> but anyway, no, it was, it was a good discussion. I, uh, oh, wait, no, there was a Reva. There was a Reva conversation Reva. we still need to have. I, I can't divest Charles of his uh, of his Reva conversation. No. Reva Skywalker? Next week. So I have Reva Skywalker. <laughs> no, but I haven't spoken to Pat about this because it's been the past couple of days I thought about this. Um, so what? So Reva as a character is somewhat uh, replaceable within the series as a character, like with, within what her motives are. And there's other characters that could have, uh, performed her, her, uh, her story arc. And the fact that she lived and had her sort of redemption that, uh, Obi-Wan, had uh supported to a certain degree i think that perhaps we're going to see her in the future in another series and my thought was that it's going to involve quinlan boss because they both have a dark side tendency and they both have perhaps gone to the dark side and come back and i think they make two uh sort of kismet characters and if that happens, first of all, getting Quinlan Boss as a character in any kind of more exploratory version than sort of background character in a book would be phenomenal. Uh, and it would also then lend um, some very interesting importance to Reva's character uh, in the future, because what else would she be there for apart from hoping to bring her into the future? So that was a, a thought that I had Um about her character and Quinlan Boss. Well, this and this was the other thing that kind of came out of that Deborah Chow uh, interview regarding Andrew Stanton. Uh, originally, Reva was supposed to be killed by Vader, and Kathleen Kennedy uh-huh. put the kibosh on that because she had she wanted to leave the the door open for plans. It was kind of the sacrificing of story for content type scenario again. You know now, mm-hmm. now again, wow. that's not bad in and of itself. If you are going to use that character to create great content, so be it. But that right. was that was one of those big, big changes. It was supposed to be impactful that Obi-Wan was trying to save Reva, which we did see some of in, in his conversation with her, and that Vader ends up killing her was going to be another big hit for Obi-Wan. So interesting twist there i you know I, it doesn't sound like you've read that interview or or heard much about it and you got that feeling certainly anytime they they save a character that has been stabbed in the in the gut mm-hmm. twice um twice you, you have to assume there's <laughs> there's either the plan or the for potential it. for a plan but it's mm-hmm. you know it's one of those things you know leaving leaving all options open is it is it about story is it about merchandising is it about who knows um but i guess we will see yeah, I you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they do something with her. Um, I don't know that it. I mean, it, it could involve Quinlan Boss. Um, I think I think it's going to be more of a 
sort of what Tala ended up doing, just kind of helping out um, those that are uh, opposed to the Empire, be them uh, Force-sensitives or um, just rebels, just, you know, people that are that are in opposition trying to help strengthen them with the knowledge of the Empire and of Vader and of the dark side that she has kind of using that, um, to her and their advantage. But I, you know, I, if there were, as Rob had said, a season two, um, I don't know how much they would cover. I think maybe season two would be him, uh, helping out, uh, Luke and his droids on Tatooine, uh, blow up a space station or something. Man managing, yeah. Managing moisture <laughs> evaporators and yeah, turning them into sentries. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, the bottom line is I, I, I have a hard time believing they're ever going to do a Kenobi season two. I think that they did the big payouts that they wanted to do yes. with this. They they had him reengage with Vader. They had him find out that Anakin had survived and, uh, you know, it was his own choice to turn to the dark side, blah, blah, blah. I think anything that they do with Obi-Wan after that is going to be a step down. Right. So, you know, it's it's hard to see where they'd go with that, but I could certainly see him riffing on stories yeah. with characters like Reaver or whatever. Uh, I'm sure that there's going to be focus groups and try to determine if, if that's what people want to see. But, uh, you know, again, there's plenty of content out there that they can make. And I don't think that – I don't agree with, you know, the, there was some conversation in that Taika Waititi Rolling Stone article – where they were talking about, you know, if you take away the known quantities of the characters that we know and love in Star Wars, is it still Star Wars? And I would argue that it is, because if a composer, you know, we've got Michael Giacchino, who did the the soundtrack for Rogue One, and an entire generation of, of composers that have been inspired by John Williams, who can create music and cues and soundtracks that have elements and callbacks, but, you know, kind of are still in that same vein of what sounds quote unquote Star Warsy. And you can't tell mm -hmm. me there's not directors out there that weren't driven into directing because of what they experienced growing up as, you know, a fan of Star Wars and that can't that don't understand, you know, kind of an intrinsic level what Star Wars feels like. Uh, so I have a hard time believing that that, you know, if you take away Luke, Leia, Han uh, even the sequel trilogy characters that you can't create Star Wars. You absolutely can. There's plenty of content to draw off of. It's just, you know, it's it's about the feel. It's about being true to the original vision. So uh, probably a, a good place to leave that conversation. I really appreciate you guys spending a inordinate amount of time, especially with you, Pat, on vacation. Charles, you on a work night. Uh, again, this is a crazy, crazy long episode. I'm gonna have to break it into a couple of parts, but, uh, a lot of fun to kind of talk through it and get different viewpoints and, and kind of challenge the way each of us, uh, you know, think about things, uh, yep. and kind of find, find things that make it a little bit, uh, you know, a different experience for us, I guess. So, uh, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you guys and the conversations podcast. Pat does the best. <laughs> I miss some. Oh man, <laughs> you do miss some. However, uh, all right, well, I guess I can tell them where we are. <laughs> um, so, yes, we are, we are on our, our flagship, our uh, conversations.com. We also have the, um, the socials. We're on uh, Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're, on, we're not on Pinterest. 
<laughs> um, we're on. Uh, we're we're part of the um, the Red Five Network. So if you like us, if you like him, um, you'll like you'll like them. Uh, so um, I don't know. So we're on there. We've got um, the link tree that has us, that has them, that has all that. It's very nondescript, of course. Um, I don't know. What else? Where are we? Well, maybe I will take it over. So uh, on yes. our link, you can also find our links to um, our Zazzle t-shirt uh, shop where we can have, we have a bunch of designs that uh, as of five minutes ago, they're still up. So, um, hey, take a chance and go and see if you can get one. <laughs> take a chance. <laughs> don't joke about it. I literally just got, before we started recording, got an email from T Public that a design that I have had out there for a year just got taken down my uh, uh, my red five jtat got taken down because apparently i'm violating something with lucasfilm despite the fact that i've stripped well you every... violate a oh, lot of things god so. i do violate a lot of things apparently they knew what my feelings were about kenobi so uh <laughs> that's all it takes a year of living in hiding and i and i let my emotions take over that's and right. there See? goes the t-shirt imagine 10 years Woo. Woo. wow um, yeah, so apart from Zazzle, that was uh, that was about it. I think you got everything else there. Uh, I think well, I did. Yeah, Twitter is at Swations, and yes. Facebook and Instagram is uh, at Conversations. So. Right. And, and definitely yeah. look out for the Conversations guys uh, coming up here in a couple of weeks at ScarifCon. We're going to be Boy. live on the, Scar- on the Red 5 YouTube channel. I'm sure Ro's going to have us uh, putting out all kinds of egregious content uh, while we're over there in Chicago. We're going to have a great time. Looking forward to that. And uh, certainly, if you guys want to uh, hear any more of JTA Podcast, you can find us at jtapodcast.com. If you have any complaints about my feelings about Kenobi, you can uh, send them to me directly at jtapodcast at gmail.com. I expect that my email box will be full in the morning. And uh, if you want to find us on socials, you can find us at jtapodcast.com com.net.org now just jta podcast so uh again it's been a great time it's been three hours i've never done anything for three hours in a row in my life uh certainly not working uh so really enjoyed talking about this with you guys and guys if uh if you ever want to talk star wars please you're welcome back anytime uh as long as tom has not given first dips <laughs> He has limited patience for both of you. But, yeah, again, thanks so much. Yeah, (laughs) Thank you guys so much. Looking forward to uh, talking more with you here in a couple of weeks. Safe travels. And uh, for the rest of you guys out there, may the force be with you. Peace.